waiting. Greetings and welcome to The Conclave. The Conclave is Lave Radio's community invite show where members of the Elite community come to discuss the hot topics of the development cycle for the latest game in the franchise, Elite Dangerous. I'm your host, Forza Forrester, and joining me in this special edition of Conclave, because we're recording it live from Elite Meets, we have Carl. Hello, Carl Agnew, I'm Void Son on the forums. We have Colin. Uh, hi, I'm Colin Ford, I'm Phoenix Defire on the forums. And uh, Andrew. Hi, uh, I'm Andrew, I'm Andrew Sayers on the forums. John. Hi, I'm John, and I'm Daddy Hoggy on the forums. Martin. Hi, I'm Martin, and I'm Gimme on the forums. Helen. Hi, I'm Helen, and I'm Flossie on the forums. And finally, we have Rob. Hi, I'm uh, Rob, and I'm uh, Runway on the forums. Great stuff. Well, thanks very much, guys, um, for taking some time out of the Elite Meet to come and do the Conclave. The topics for this evening, we've got uh, it's pretty much a year to the final the final hours of the Kickstarter, the Elite Kickstarter. So we're going to talk a bit about the anniversary of the Kickstarter, reminisce about what made that special. We're going to talk a little bit about the community. Obviously, we're here at Elite Meet, so what better place to talk about the fantastic community that we have within Elite Dangerous and you know, how that may change when the game goes from Alpha, Beta, Gamma and obviously to the release. But to start us off, as I said, we have... Pretty much been a year, believe it or not, since that first Kickstarter campaign closed, raising enough money to bring back the game that we all remember from our youth. Obviously, the Kickstarter set a record. It was the it was the highest asked for initial sum request. Yeah. Yeah. It was the highest asked for initial sum that actually succeeded in its goal to get funded. Other people had asked for more but hadn't got it. Other people had asked for less and got more. But Elite Dangerous was the record-breaking uh, Kickstarter campaign that actually set a high target and got it. I'll go around the table. We'll start with Carl. Carl, what's your memories of the, the whirlwind what was the Elite Dangerous Kickstarter campaign? Um, I mean, for me, I, I spend uh, a lot of time playing games occasionally. So I'll, I'll spend a month or two not playing games and I'll start playing. But I, I like to have a fairly good system, so I keep an eye on the system. And I was looking at um, Guru3D website, and I noticed on there they had an article on uh, New Elite being released via uh, Kickstarter. So I clicked on the link and went through. Uh, and I read uh, the background information in the initial posts on the, on the Kickstarter. I think it was about a week after launch. Uh, most people, I, I believe, got in via the BBC, but I missed all that. And uh, I jumped straight in with a £20 pledge to, to get me a digital copy of the game. I was almost positive at that time I was going to be putting more money in. And it was just a question of how far I was going to go. Um, so throughout the time of keeping up to date on the forum, I got to uh, become familiar with some of the characters in the forum page. And um, I started to ride, started the rollercoaster ride that, that was the Kickstarter campaign. Um, and all the yells and shouts for more information, better information, this is how you should run a Kickstarter, all that sort of stuff. Bumping my pledge up all the time until I, I basically got as far as the... Um, which one did I get to? I can't remember. It was a year ago, in fairness. It was, it was, it was a year ago. Uh, I've definitely got Alpha. Where did I get to? Um, I can't remember. Uh, well, maybe I was going to say, maybe you go away, look that up. But you, you raise a, a, a good point straight off the bat, the fact that you know, we may not remember it now or we may not remember it quite as clearly, but obviously the Kickstarter campaign, it was pretty heavily criticised when it first came out. Criticised because obviously it was coming on the coattails of Star Citizen. And obviously we all know that Star Citizen is the Chris Roberts game uh, from the Wing Commander franchise that had been doing crowdfunding. 
at the same time. And it had been going for, I think, about three weeks when Elite Dangerous decided to launch theirs. So there's a few people saying that, you know, Elite Dangerous, you know, we're jumping on the coattails of that. But obviously the difference between the Wing Commander campaign and the Elite Dangerous campaign was you know, the Wing Commander campaign had video, it had a game engine, it had, you know, in-game footage, it had all sorts of things. What we had for Elite Dangerous was a lovely video of David Braben telling us that he wanted to make the game that we'd all been hoping for for the last 25 years <laughs> and not a lot else. Um, so, going around to Colin. Colin, what do you remember, mate? Well, and in my opinion, I, mean, I got the... Uh, I went through the BBC site. That's how I found out about it. But unfortunately, due to personal things at the time, I couldn't even put in. Then, thankfully, towards the end... Um, of the Kickstarter campaign, I thought, right, it's now or never, and went straight in with a 50 quid uh, pledge. And that was, I think, about three or four days before they finally went, yep, we've done it. So um, I came late to the party, but then ever since then, I've been up in the pledge ever since. So I do remember keeping an eye on the thing as it, as it went through, and when you did compare it with the Star Citizen campaign, you did notice that um, there wasn't the polish that there was in the other one, but the Star Citizen campaign did seem to promise everything and everything and more. That's so. it, yeah, absolutely. And there's a question as to how much of that they're actually going to deliver. Is it going to be a jack of all trades, master of none? Or, mm. yeah, I mean, they've just, as of last week, we got an email from Star Citizen saying that they'd just broken the $25 million mark for their crowdfunding. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, Elite Dangerous did a fantastic job. It got, you know, close to two million pounds. But they're, you know, they're completely different beasts when it comes to the sort of level of you know, crowdfunding that they both received. But you mentioned a good point there, actually. We'll go straight into it, Colin. You, you upped your pledge. And Carl, you said you upped your pledge as well. This was something else that came out from the Kickstarter campaign. The meme, the fact to jaunty, the thing that has yeah. come into, <laughs> into the elite parlance and the act of jaunty. To jaunty your pledge is to up your pledge. And this came from a guy very early on on the Kickstarter campaign a lovely guy called Jonty Campbell, who was full of enthusiasm for the project. And he arrived there and he said, yes, yes, I'm pay. I put my first 10 pounds in. And within an hour, he was back on the comments page going, I've just upped, I can't, I, I've just upped my pledge. I'm 20 pounds in, 30 pounds in, 40 pounds in. And very quickly it snowballed so that the rest of the community members were saying, yeah, I'm going to jaunty my pledge. I'm going <laughs> to increase my pledge. So, and that went on. So the fact that David Braben now talks about jaunting, uh, the latest Movember campaign that we're doing, Michael Brooks has offered more money for the, uh, for the charity, which he referred to jaunting. So it was a fantastic sort of community thing that, uh, amazing that it has such a such an effect even now. Uh, John, what can you remember? Oh, sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Go with it. Yeah, Andrew, what can you remember? Um, so I, I heard about it the same way everyone else did on the BBC first, and I thought, yeah, I'll get around to that. And a month passed, and I completely forgot about it, and I heard about it somewhere else. And then I, I got in first at the £90 level, and then I thought, there's a lot of information here, actually, because it's been a month. So I thought, all right, I don't want to do it. I've got a bit of holiday coming up. I'll write the Wikipedia page. And I, I spent ages looking through all the little things that they said about it. And I started thinking, yeah, they've not presented it right, but there's something going on here. There's something really interesting. That was when I decided I was going to go for the DDF, the design forum, because when you really look into it, although we really had no idea what was going to happen, it was very clear there was something very interesting going on there. So I went for that, and it's been great fun. Martin. John. Oh, for crying out loud, I can't even read the own bloody name list. <laughs> 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 
yeah. it, can't, it can't be difficult. You're all listed down there. And you're going around in a circle. How card can it be? How card? How card? Okay. So, John. Yes. Um, I would only just come across Kickstarter full stop as a project. I backed um, Amanda Palmer's album, so I was on the Kickstarter forums, and I saw this little thing come up about Elite because it, it was Kickstarter kind of shows stuff that's actually trending quite well, and there was like. Oh, that can't be true. So I kind of clicked on it, and sure enough, there's this thing about Elite Dangerous, and I thought, no, can it be true? Is there going to be a new Elite? So I did, same as Carl, I clicked on the, the pledge that got me at least a digital copy of the game. Um, and being an active member of the Ulike Forum, it then popped up on the Ulike Forum. And then Drew Weger, the, uh, the author, said, look, I want to pledge for one of the writer packs. So if I start a Kickstarter, for the writer's pack, will you like forum back me? So unlike, I think, a lot of people here, whereas I I did join to a little bit, um, but only to the enough money to get me a, a Cobra Mark III in my own name on the on the forum. But I, I started to back the books, because I, that way I thought, well, at least I'm helping other people get their Kickstarter dream, and I'm still <laughs> contributing towards Kickstarter. So I'm into, I'm into Elite for quite a lot of money, but not specifically for the game. So I basically backed every book I could find. Um, so I haven't told my wife <laughs> yeah. how much I'm actually in for, but quite a lot of money. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably a, a topic for another comp- uh, another podcast. Uh, my wife, obviously, because the, the various podcasts and stuff, they take up quite a bit of time. So my wife, I have to say, is very understanding about the whole how understanding she would be if she actually understood how much money I'd invested in the actual campaign. Mm, I'm not so confident about. So, uh, yeah, maybe we just don't mention that. We'll just say we've got DDF access and leave it at that. So. I think if she doesn't listen to this. Though. No, thank God she doesn't. <laughs> Martin. Well, um, I don't regularly listen to the BBC, so I didn't find it there. I uh, found uh, out about the, the Kickstarter on the front page front internet page of one of Norway's biggest newspapers. They actually had a small little square about Elite Dangerous and uh, I clicked on that and sort of went, what? I was actually travelling at the time and in, in the middle of a business meeting, you know, on my phone trying to, so, so I couldn't do anything about it right then. Uh, and then uh, during the lunch break I went upstairs into my room and sort of onto my laptop to pledge and uh, for some reason my credit card wasn't accepted because of the hotel firewall. So I had a bit of a struggle, um, but eventually I pledged, and I think I went straight in at the founders level, uh, and um, I jaunted up after that. So I am in the DDF now. Great stuff, Helen. Oh, great. Well, um, I used to watch my brother play nearly eight years ago. I never played myself, although I do play quite a few other games. What other games do you play? Uh, I play Aces High, that's my main game, it's World War II Combat Sim. I'd like to fly as bomber pilots. I have to say, I'm really impressed with that because I played Aces High and I am absolutely crap at it. It's one of the games that I really like the idea of playing and every time I go into it, I'm literally pitching nose first straight I'm into the dirt. I'm not good at flight fighters. <laughs> oh, she's a crap fighters. fighter, man. <laughs> <laughs> I played in Battle of Britain a uh, couple of weeks ago. Bob of pilots, so I had to be German. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, Rosemary mentioned the Kickstarter project the year ago, and at the time, I, 
Yeah, I thought, yes, I think I remember that, but I didn't take a lot of notice. And then as time's gone on, and he's played the various podcasts and listened to those, and I thought, yes, I think I'd like to have a go at that. And um, I pledged, uh, first of all, to get my name, etc. Um, then I went a bit higher. And then on my 60th birthday, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he gave me a, an extra update again so that I can get into the private backers and get me... Uh, Beta testing. An absolutely superb birthday present. I think you know. I think there's a geek listening to this that doesn't think that's a superb birthday present for a husband to buy their wife. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I find it very interesting and uh, looking forward to giving it a try. Okay, well, Rob, you might have the only wife here that's actually supportive of how much money is going into <laughs> the Kickstarter campaign. So why don't you tell us how you found out about it and what you thought about it? Oh, yeah, I have to pay twice, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't see it on the BBC. It was actually um, a rather unusual place. It was the, uh, the Raspberry Pi Forum, mm-hmm. which David Brebham's involved in. And I heard it mentioned on there. Coincidentally, a couple of months previously, I'd been putting on Elite. I'd uh, found that and I thought, oh, at least it's up again, Elite. Oh, great. And then I saw this and, oh, I'm in. <laughs> and I went in as usual at um, initial level. And a couple of hours later, after, after reading a bit more, paid a bit more and a bit more. <laughs> uh, Oh, sorry. <laughs> and uh, the moment I'm at the uh, the founders level, very tempted on the alpha level. <laughs> Ooh, and more and more pounds. tempted every every day that gets closer to December, I'm sure. Yeah, it's very tempting. <laughs> so I kept having a jaunty up. I'm sure that went up in the. The Oxford Dictionary. There. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I must admit, if if you were just sort of uh, coming to a leap for the first time and listening to all you guys talk around the table, you'd imagine that the yeah, the Kickstarter was probably pretty much a done deal from the from the get go. But it wasn't really the case, was it? I mean, it was over the. There was a slight panic during the middle of the campaign. It was a sixty day campaign, done right over the middle of Christmas, and then, I mean, obviously we we started off. And the, the beginning of the Kickstarter was fantastic. You had every nerd who heard about it coming out of the woodwork and throwing money at it. So day one, day two, we had, what, £250,000 in the bag. And you thought, you know, we only need 1.5. This is going to be a done deal. Mm. And then slowly, as we started running out of nerds who played the game originally, things started to slow down and slow down <laughs> and slow down some more. And to the point where you got to the middle of the campaign and we're all there on the forums going, I can't believe this. We've been waiting for this game to come back and, and now it looks like it might actually it might it might fail so there was a massive sort of backlash from the community about yeah well obviously it's the kickstarter it's the way they've ran the kickstarter there hasn't been enough information there's no in-game and yeah they're still not giving us any in-game footage and etc etc and slowly but surely as other games what was it they were working on at the time they had a game that was coming out was it roller coaster uh Tycoon 3. Tycoon 3. I think they released the Lost Winds as well. But anyway, they, they had people tied up on other projects. And as they came off those projects, we started to see a little bit more appear on the Kickstarter campaign. We started to see a few videos. We started to see you know, some more interaction with David Braben and some of the you know, some of the developers. And slowly but surely, the, the campaign started to gather a little bit of momentum until finally, towards the end, everything ramped up. Mm. Um, 
you know, word of mouth finally started to spread. You know, it was on all the social networks. It was on, you know, on the news sites. It was on the gaming sites. And you know, you were getting towards the end of the campaign, and you were seeing the sort of levels of investment we saw at the beginning of it. Um, and I think by maybe a week ago, we were pretty sure that we'd hit target, which was a reason to celebrate in itself. But then, of course, they started to bring in the stretch goals because obviously there was a, a there was a, a portion of the community out there that you know okay it's a pc game but yeah, some of us have moved on from there some of us are now mac users so when are we going to get a mac version so there was a campaign there was a stretch goal to get a mac version released we managed to hit that and then the the final stretch goal of getting more playable ships in the initial release was launched we managed to hit that as well so you know it was a fantastic campaign i don't know obviously a show of hands isn't going to work on a podcast but uh, <laughs> how many people were there for the the midnight close of the uh, campaign, yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah, so well over, well over half of us. And even though we knew the the campaign was in the bag, it was still a fantastic moment for the community to yeah, actually, to actually see what exactly happened. the whole. I mean, that's another aspect of the campaign as well. Just the, the amount of time people spent on the thing, but <laughs> that um, that midnight close where everybody's celebrating the game that they've been waiting on for so many years is definitely going to yeah. be done. You know, the campaign's closed; it's been successful. Monday morning, Frontier Developments are going to finally be working on Elite Four, Elite Dangerous. And it was an amazing experience. It was a, a real sort of a community buzz. You know, there was a real sort of shared experience with that one. But you're absolutely right. The I've been speaking about it to people at Elite Meet uh, this evening. There's a large number of people who work in IT who are Elite <laughs> fans. <laughs> and never has it been more evident than on the Kickstarter campaign. That there are people working in IT sat at their desk doing nothing but pressing F5 on the comments page and refreshing the uh, the campaign total. So for those of us that don't work in IT who are trying to stay in touch with what the, what's going on with the community, reading the comments page, you'd be up to page, I don't know, 456. You're reading the, the comments that are coming on. You go away, you make a cup of tea, and suddenly you find you're 10 pages behind in the time it takes to make a cup of tea. Purely because the community is so active, so filled with uh, enthusiasm for you know for this for this game that they you know played when they were young and then you know they didn't have anybody to talk about it with anymore and then suddenly the kickstarter gave everybody their best friend back again to talk about elite so the comments page on the kickstarter was never ever quiet it was always going morning and night andrew uh, actually it was kay russell said it best i think she when she described herself as stuck in a comment vortex <laughs> What she would say is, she would try and look back in history, and in the time it took her to press the back button, another page of comments had been written. So she was just looking at the same thing the whole time. <laughs> and let's all be honest, Kickstarter needs to do something about their community interaction device. Mm -hmm. The comments page is meant for one person to say, I think this is a great project, and I backed it. One sentence, done. It's rubbish. It's, it's it is not meant to be a live discussion chat room, which is what Elite yeah, turned into. Yeah. Again, because the community was so passionate about it, they made do with it. You know, they 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 made it their own. Can you remember how many comments we finished on? Uh, I think it's about one hundred and twenty-five thousand. Yeah, exactly. So one hundred and twenty-five thousand comments posted during the the course of the campaign, <laughs> which just shows me that people that work in IT have nothing better to do. Has <laughs> <laughs> anybody got anything else they want to mention about the the community, about the Kickstarter itself? I mean, it was a fantastic roller coaster, unlike anything else that I've certainly experienced. I mean, what particularly impressed me was 
the way friendships seem to be struck up so easily and so quickly on it, from people that have obviously never met, never talked, uh, and that, that warmth really came through, um, and people just coming together. Probably the most enjoyable part mm -hmm. of reading that comments thread. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you, you had couples of guys that haven't met each other, different countries, and one would come on the board and they would go, oh, Timmy, oh, whatever. I can't remember what the other name was, it was Timmy or something else, but you'd get an awful lot of that going, a lot, lot of people saying hi to each other. People, when they came online, John Harper, when he started to come on, the, the Australians coming on doing the night shift. <laughs> you sort of split to a night shift and a, a European shift. Uh, and they'd go, they'd, there'd be like a handover in the morning. What have you guys been talking about tonight? Oh, we've been talking about this. And then another handover the, uh, in the evening. Oh, we've been talking about this, you guys coming on the night shift again. So yeah, that, that, all that experience was, was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And then all the authors' kickstarters as well, when they started coming in. And the, the cross-pollination, people migrating from there and finding new people on the authors' threads and things as well. That, that, was, that was huge, that was, that was really good. Well, let's talk about that then, the side of things, because again, this is a thing, something else that's unique that's come out of the Elite Dangerous Kickstarter campaign. The author campaign, for those of you who don't know, it was it was a reward pledge for four and a half thousand pounds, where anybody could actually buy a license to write a piece of official elite dangerous canon that would be supported by Frontier Developments and also helped marketed basically by Frontier Developments as well. Um, and obviously, Drew Wagar is the one who made the most amount of noise about it and most amount of waves. But most of us didn't have four and a half thousand pounds, and there was a big culture. Um, already behind this game. If you look at the Oolite um, forums as well, you know, they'd been basically flying the flag. They'd been taking the original Elite game, they'd remade it for modern computers, and the Elite community over there was very, very strong. And they already had quite a lot of, of fan fiction that was written in the Elite universe, or rather the Oolite universe. Mm -hmm. And Drew Wagar, one of the first authors to buy a, a pledge, had already written th uh, four stories and uh, three short stories. Is that right? Four stories and three short stories. So he had a, a pedigree of writing in the elite universe. He started off and he said, obviously, I don't have four and a half thousand pounds. So what about, you know, it was suggested on the ULite forum, what about starting a, a Kickstarter to fund the Kickstarter reward? And it was bizarre because there was, there was actually quite a lot of negative feedback to, towards Drew. People said it's the craziest thing they've ever heard. There was a lot of um, coverage in the gaming press and quite a negative one, which... Yeah, give Drew his credit. He, you know, he weathered very, very well and got funded. You know, he was one of the first people out the box that got his uh, his Kickstarter campaign to back a Kickstarter uh, funded. And obviously, we all know following Elite Reclamation, it's going to be a fantastic story. But yet again, another example of the community just sort of spreading out. I mean, Carl, you said that it then became not only talking about Elite Dangerous, but then talking about the books at large. Now. I have to say, I spent far too much money on the Elite Dangerous <laughs> Kickstarter, but then also had no self-restraint. And then, because it was going to help the Elite Kickstarter campaign anyway, you might as well invest in every single author project that was going <laughs> as well. Again, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. So I backed them all. Did everybody back all the books, or is there people that have just been selective? Andrew, you're saying that... Uh... So I... I learned a long time ago that if, if I backed everything that was that I wanted to back, well, I would have been penniless living in a house full of Cobra Mark III's. <laughs> um, so I, I restricted myself just to the ones where the actual 
the pledge itself looked interesting. Ultimately, that boiled down to, to Kate Russell's book. Everything else, I'm going to buy the book when it comes out, because someone's going to buy the book. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to some of them. That's going to yeah. be interesting. Let's just, let's just say that. It's going to be an interesting mix. Carl? Yeah, um, I saw Drew's book, and I, I hadn't been aware of him before at all. Uh, and I saw he'd written quite a lot of fiction in, in the elite, elite universe. And I thought, well, this guy's obviously going to be spinning a good story. So I put back that. Um, I then saw John Harper's, and a little sneaky green light went off in my head. Because John Harper, after setting his Kickstarter off, um, for his um, extra pledge rewards, he'd split up the rewards that came with his £4,500 author's pledge. So that goes right up to naming a system, naming a space station, alpha, beta, all that sort of stuff. Now, I'd actually pledged up to DDF already, but I really, really wanted to name a space station, but I couldn't quite go that far. But John was offering the space station pledge for £60, which was actually less than I'd have to jaunty up to get it. <laughs> so I jumped straight into John's book at £60 to get the space station name. Sneaky. Very sneaky. And there's well, a few people sat around the table going, <laughs> Why weren't you guys thinking? <laughs> um, but basically, when John was, again was starting to struggle towards the end, I doubled my pledge. Mm. Um, so I almost virtually paid for Space Station anyway. Um, but I, I, I will just plug John's book now. I've been an alpha reader of it, and I'm just about to finish the beta read of it, and it's a bloody good book. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Um, Drew's, I'm really looking forward to when it comes out. I've also backed the anthology which I'm looking forward to coming out. Uh, Kate, again, which I'm really going to enjoy reading. Uh, very, very good sense of humour. And um, I think there's one or two others, but they're slipping my mind at the moment. Don't worry about it. Anybody else? Martin? Yes, um, well, um, I suggested Kickstarter to Drew, so I had to back that one. Ah, um, <laughs> uh, you're the guy from the Elu Life Forum that yeah, pushed it forward uh, for it. Yeah, I'm the one who actually did that. Um, that was actually meant as a joke. But seriously, and uh, you know, all the honor should go to Drew because he actually, you know, developed the idea. But um, it was my hint that actually triggered it. Uh, but apart from that, I back every single book there is. You know, even if they don't get written, the money goes to Frontier. And uh, I love reading books. I read a lot, and um, you know, I will back any piece of fiction which comes out. Great stuff. Anybody else? Um, I, did, I basically did the same. Once I knew Drew was writing his book, then you start looking then, don't you? And other people go, oh, this guy's, this guy's really struggling. So Commander Boz was really struggling. And so I thought, well, I'd best, best chip in there. And then Kate Russell's book. And I followed Kate Russell on Twitter. And she was like, really funny. So I thought, well, her book's going to be really good. And I managed to Kate. So I just found myself going, yeah, you have 20 quid. Yeah, you have 20 quid. Yeah, you have 20 quid. I'm going, oh, God. So yeah, there was a lot of that for those those weeks, and and I thought, actually, does it matter? Does it, you know? Because what what am I going to do with these 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 odd twenty pounds? I have nothing to show for them, so I might as well give them to the Kickstarters. And that's then to be honest, that's why I did it. Yeah, no, I agree. And it also gave us something to do during that middle period of the Kickstarter campaign, where there didn't seem to be any money going into the main project. Yeah. So, you know, we had little campaigns and little sort of uh, deadlines to meet and. You're right. It was a great way of bringing the community together because on the, the main comments page, people would say, you know, this person's book pledge is just about to come to an end. He needs this much money. Come on. You must have five pounds down the back of your sofa. Go and find it. Put it in. 
Uh, and that was, yeah, that just kept the community spirit going. It kept the momentum going for the main campaign as well. Okay, well, let's leave the, the main campaign there for the time being. Talking about community, we'll move on to the second topic of the evening, and that is about the elite community and what we're expecting to see. Now, obviously, you guys sitting around the table, you're here at the elite meet in Manchester. You're very invested into the community. You, you, know, you can't be scared away. You've seen how many weirdos we've got in the room. <laughs> um, what is it about the elite community that you think makes it so strong? Do you think it's the, the fact that we have you know, all had this shared history? We've all played the game as kids. We're all passionate about it. Um, or do you think it's the fact that you know, we're all gamers? Do you think it's all that we're, most of you are in IT? Do you think it's, yeah, what, what is it that's making this community so strong? Uh, we'll start with Carl. Uh, we've all lied to our wives. So you I can't let my wife listen to this, man. <laughs> so you reckon that uh, it's a community built on lies? Uh? No, I think it's because we're all of quite a lot of sort of a similar background. We're of a similar age. Um, we've we we do have shared experience. Fortunately, um, well, not really fortunately, but most people are fairly articulate, fairly comfortable being with other people, I think. But that may just be the people that are getting involved in the community because they are those sort of people. And it's great, it's great meeting these new people and, and conversing with them and um, getting to use some of their technology that they've brought to bring to these meets. I was at uh, the LaughCon as well, and we had a great time there. So, yeah, it's, um, I, I'm totally enjoying it. Well, um, I, came, I came late to the community. Um, after basically being funded, I, I got onto the, uh, onto the proper frontier forum, so I missed the whole Kickstarter thing. But the one thing that does strike me is because we're of a certain age, let's be honest, <laughs> um, there's a certain maturity to the forums where you don't have all the, the slagging matches that you might find in, say, other MMOs like World of Warcraft or Star Wars, The Old Republic. One thing that does concern me is what in the future when it does go live and we have a, a fresh injection of new blood, we're going to have to deal with, um, well, let's just say the, well, I don't even need to say it, we're, we're going to have to deal with the... Uh, the youth? <laughs> yes! <laughs> the youth. And is this us with, uh, you know, with our geriatric hats on, thinking it's the youth of today, the, you know, the hoodie-wearing ASBO tag, it's the youth of today who swear down uh, yeah, their, their headsets to everybody that play online? I mean, it, well, it's, it's also the fact that I'm probably going to get greased by a lot of them as well. But... I mean, are we worried about the fact that you know, it's, in theory, a different generation to, obviously, the people that have backed it? Um, do we think that it's just going to be a different culture, or do we actually think that you know there may be a a skill gap between us old farts that are wearing the glasses? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you. Um, sorry, I should actually look at you guys. But is it? Yeah. Is it? Uh, yeah. Is it a skill gap, or is it a culture difference? What do you reckon? Rob? Well, do you think it'll have the same sort of appeal? the younger generation it isn't exactly like world of warcraft is it it'll appeal to us because we've played this before and we know what we're getting martin well um, i have three sons and i bought the game for all three of them they are actually quite enthusiastic about the game uh, and they really like it and 
Funnily enough, it's not really the combat that's fascinating them. It's the environment, it's the whole setting, it's the trading, it's the fact that it is a, it is a world. I think that it will catch on quite well. And you asked about whether there is a ability gap, whether they will, you know, thrashers, they probably will, uh, at combat, uh, not necessarily at all other aspects of the game, like trading and, you know, there is more to this game than just combat. I was actually going to say there's always a market for young slaves as well. <laughs> Good point, I have three. <laughs> one of the things that often comes up in, in this discussion about the fact that, you know, it's, yeah, it's going to go live, it's going to go to the, the general public. The way the Frontier developments have actually designed the game around the group system, how much of the general public you have to interact with is all going to be controlled by you. So... I think some of that will actually help to, you know, to stave off this sort of, you know, them and us culture. You'll basically be playing with the people that you want to play with. You know, it's probably the world's best matching system for that reason. Um, so this whole sort of, you know, what's it going to be like when it goes to, to launch probably won't be so much of an issue, in my head anyway. Anybody else? Uh, Colin. Actually, the, the, the game itself is not the like, main concern. It is going to be the, the forums where you have all the, uh, the trash talking. It will start. It's going to be inevitable. We're, there's no way around it. And, and I just hope that the community, that, as it is now, can weather it because it is quite a nice little place to hang out. And it'd be shame on you now. Yeah, absolutely. Although you'd maybe hope that the moderators would get in there. The moderators have done a fantastic job of keeping the forums in check under quite challenging circumstances. <laughs> if you think about um, the Frontier forums where they were, they, I joined them back in 2006 when they first started, and it was a little bit quiet in there, to say the least. There was a few people there who were up there for Roller Coaster Tycoon and various other bits, but most people were dropping in and saying, Hi guys, it's 2006. When's Elite Four going to be made? <laughs> No answer. Okay, I'll check back in a couple of months' time. Um, and then, obviously, everybody was on the comments page for the Kickstarter. They had a massive community there. And then 12 o'clock came along. It was like it just switched the, flipped the switch. Everybody then tried to move from the comments page <laughs> to Frontier Developments Forums, which, let's be honest, weren't quite set up for that sort of influx of people. <laughs> and it was painful. And it's taken a while for everything to settle down with the forums, but they've got the moderators all set up. And as you say, it's a great place to go and hang out. The, you know, the community sphere, the community spirit is definitely there. Yeah, and you see it in things like the you know, the charity campaign, the Movember campaign that you know, 40 members of the community have signed up for. And you know, the developers have got on board with that as well. And the community at large have got behind them and everybody's throwing in donations and you know, just basically taking that community spirit forward. So yeah, it would be interesting to see how that manifests. Um, for me, I mean, back in 1984, I was 13 years old. And we were very divided into I owned a Commonwealth 64 because my parents were, you know, had a little bit of cash at the time, so they bought me Commodore 64. I had lots of friends who had Spectrum 48Ks and the Amstrad, and we fought in the in the school playground about everything except Elite. Because it was like, oh, have you been to this planet? Have you done this? Have you bought this? Do you know if you buy from this and you sell here, you can do this? Because there was no internet in 84, so it was all playground talk. So we thought about who had the best version of Oceans, you know, various war games and run and rat race and all that stuff, <laughs> except Elite. Because Elite united all of us, because yes, there's, 
an Arcana 64 on it, but it wasn't very good at vector graphics. So it had the trumbles that the Spectrum version didn't, but their graphics were faster. <laughs> so so we have, we all had pros and cons in our various 8-bit machines, but we all swapped stories. So, and, and this is the daft thing, and this is what's kept me going, is that we were writing stories about wow. our experiences in this little black and white vector-driven universe. We were filling in the stuff that Robert Holstock had done in 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 you know his dark and also in the flight manual. So you know we there were the stories of, of looking for the for the generation <laughs> ships, which we knew <laughs> were in the game, but we looked anywhere. You knew um, I didn't. And when I discovered Unai, that to start adding. So, so writing the fiction for that and writing the in-game content for that, and now back it, by backing people like Dave Hughes's project, and I've been writing the travel. I'm going to be writing some of the travels for that. So for me, it, it's been the journey since I was 12, 13 years old, that you know writing stuff that I used to hand in at the playground to my mates so they could read it and add to that. Now I can add it to something that the whole internet is eventually going to read. And for me, that's just as a writer, that's. Just the best thing in the universe, literally. I couldn't agree with you more, to be honest. Carl? Yeah, um, I started playing in a slightly older than you um, when I was on a YTS scheme in an IT um, training area. And they uh, they did basic programming and they were doing it on BBC Model Bs. Yeah. So they had a big long row of them. And we, uh, we had floppy disk drives for these BBC Model Bs. Um, somebody just happened to have a lead on a floppy disk, which passed from BBC Model B to Model B, <laughs> and we'd all sit there at lunchtime playing together, but not playing exactly in the universe together. Mm. Uh, and we spent a couple of months doing that, and then I got it for I had a Z eighty one at the time, then I upgraded to a Spectrum. Um, I didn't have it as a Spectrum. I then got the Commodore sixty four and got it for the Commodore sixty four, and then upgraded to Amiga and got it for the Amiga. Yeah. Um, I didn't really play Frontier that much because I got a bit older. Um, now, basically, I have never ever played an online game. Um, I do have a slightly addictive personality, and I would always stayed fairly away from those because I'm afraid I'll just get too sucked in. Um, but Elite is going to be the first game I'm going to play online. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm hoping I can team up with with some of the forum guys. I, I may not be an in-system person, I may be out there exploring, but it would be nice to have a, a group of people I can bump into that I want to bump in, be able to bump into. Yes. Um, so that level of control is going to be really good for me, I'm really looking forward to it. I agree with the addictive personality as well. There's a couple of games out there that I have not touched. I foolishly, and again, I blame Elite for this, I did uh, dip into EVE Online uh, and again spent many years playing EVE Online, having an addictive personality like yourself. Um, I managed to stay away from World of Warcraft, which I'm very proud of. I've also managed to stay away from Minecraft, which I'm also very proud of. Because um, I just know that I have an, a personality that will get addicted. What's going to happen when Elite Dangerous comes out? I... Honestly, I am scared to even contemplate yes. it. Um, Andrew. Um, so I was thinking about back to the community thing. If you think back to when you first came online, the thing that really grabbed most people about that is the thing of when you said, I thought I was the only one. We all have that something. We've never met anyone that's interested in that thing. 
And with Elite, it's not just, I thought I was the only one that was interested in that game. It's everything else around it. Uh, the thing I always remember is uh, Drew Wager and Sarah Jane Avery talking about Ulysses 31. Mm-hmm. Exactly, which is, we've just had a, an R around the room because <laughs> everyone here has heard of it and nobody that's not here has ever heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> what a great it was incredible. And I just thought it sort of disappeared in a time warp into the 80s until I got here and everyone was like, that was the best thing ever. And I was like, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> so do you think the community is going to be different then from obviously us who have this, this shared experience, this grounding with the original ones and the community that will come on later? Do you think that there'll be a difference if we get clans? Do you think there'll be a difference in clans from the old guard league guys and girls uh, compared to the people that just sort of go into game, pick it up and say, oh, this looks like an interesting arcade game? You know, me and my you know, young guys are going gonna, are gonna to play it. Do, is there going to be a difference? Is there going to be a change in culture? I would hope so. Tell us more. Um, you say that you don't play World of Warcraft. I have done, and I think it's the community that um, actually builds the game. Yeah. In fact, Helen will probably tell you more about that. Well, yes, the, um, the guilds uh, get, get very involved with the guilds in World of Warcraft and for the uh, the games within the games where they have the raids and things, you have to get organised and work together or get together on uh, TeamSpeak or whatever, eventually. And, um, you know, it's really good. You don't shout the instructions to each other, what's that behind you, and don't go too near that creature, etc. And it's, um, it's a really good community. And, and does that all stem from the fact that you're in this guild again? I have avoided yeah. World of Warcraft like the plague, so I am a complete novice oh, when it comes to, to the idea of this gilding faction. I can get really lost in the game, um, really immersed, and it's all because it's all a community. And how strong is that community? How close are you to you know your other guild members? I mean, are these people that you speak to on a sort of daily basis, weekly basis, or is it literally just when you're in the game? Um, we do speak to each other, well, a lot of us are on Facebook, so we we communicate with each other on there and keep up with what each other's doing in real life as well. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of my girls that actually, actually live in Wales, <laughs> and you know, it's, um, you hear comparing us about what things are going on in different parts of the country. And how long have you been part of? I take it it's just the same guild that you've been part of? Uh, I've been in various guilds, but I've been in this one for a few years now. So, yeah, it's obviously a, it's obviously a strong community mm-hmm. that goes off, if you're on Facebook, something that goes beyond the game yeah. universe itself. So, I mean, that'll be an interesting one for Elite Dangerous. Obviously, we've got a, a different background because we're on the forums, we came from the Kickstarter campaign. But it'll be nice to have those communities, you know, start appearing with Elites, you know, have clans, I know Frontier Developments have said that clans aren't something that they're looking at instigating when the game is first released, but you'd obviously be able to set up your own groups. But from what Helen says, I mean, it sounds like the clans are actually something that's very positive in terms of a game mechanic or a community mechanic. So is this something we want to see in the game going forward, Colin? Yeah, well, I think it is which will eventually come in into the game, whether or not it's official or not. You'll still have people who will set up their own clan websites 
and they will look to other members to support each other. Say, for instance, that you are flying, saying that uh, I'd like to go and make a, a, a run on lathe, but I've got as a pulse laser, can someone please back me up? At that point, you can normally ask for your, your guildmates to help and come in, very much like the, the Damocles video. Because you imagine that sort of, if that had been in-game, you'd have one person saying, right, I've got a cruiser here that needs help, who's in? And that's when you call, you put a post up on the, on the guild forum and say, um, I've got something here, anybody want in? Andrew? Um, so the, the thing that makes it different in this respect is that we're not just playing a bit of fun and then it sort of slides off into history. What actually happens is when you do a bit of game, that thing will last forever. Whatever you've changed about the universe will stay changed. And that will really, that will create a very different dynamic because it's not just about having a bit of a laugh, it's actually about creating a story together. And actually, in a sense, the, the two people that will be most pivotal in making that work are yourself, Fozza, and um, Psycho Cow, because you're the, the two everymen that people see in podcasts. Uh, I'm not saying this to be nice to you, the fact is, you have a lot of responsibility. <laughs> Notice there's not a lot of responsibility on social counts. And the estimate of end of the game. What's Andrew after? I'll be damned if I know. No, I'm, I'm saying you're in a lot of trouble because you guys have to tell the story of the universe in a way that new people coming in can go, oh yeah, I get that. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go and dump rubbish in sweat. Well, okay, well, maybe that's a good, uh, a good way of sort of um, moving on to. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get away from the size of the world. I was never good in Lycra, to be fair. <laughs> um, okay, but I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the podcast and the various community events. Obviously, we're here today at Elite Meet. Um, we've had LaveCon in the past. What's going to be the future of the community? Do we think that we're going to have more things like these um, community-hosted events, or do you think that when the game actually goes live, we'll see more, say, official community events hosted by Frontier? What would you guys like to see? Colin? Probably a mixture of both. Um, obviously, sort of things like this have sort of happened once a week, what, uh, three, four months or something. That, that seems about right. Maybe once a year, like like the big MMOs do, they have these this big show. Like, like was it is it BlizzCon for World of Warcraft? Mm. Yeah, that yeah. something like that on an official level would be nice. I mean, everyone sort of said sort of LaveCon was the sort of unofficial official one. Um, <laughs> it's been a long night, Carl. <coughs> First of all, thanks for comparing me to such a talented and uh, gifted individual. No, I meant the other Alan. <laughs> um, that's good. It's good you've cleared that. Um, I'd like to see these sort of things continue. I, I have enjoyed coming to them, and I do look forward to coming to them. I, I'm not that fussed whether they're official or not. There is obviously the concern that once everybody starts playing the game, all this sort of stuff will go a bit south because everybody would be far too busy. Very much, I, I was involved in a, in a club beforehand um, for a car, and it was all, before the car came in, there's lots of interest, lots of excitement, etc. The car arrived, um, we had a few meets, etc. And then after a number of, uh, an amount of time, a year or so, people just lose interest and drift off, and etc. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we can continue. Um, 
it does keep the level of interest. And yeah, official meets will come along. They'll be of interest. Um, but I do actually like the fan run meets. I, I think the people you meet are more passionate and more involved because they're they've, they've had the level of motivation to do what they've done. Whereas the show will be, the, the um, official shows will be more people just going along and having a look and wanting to hobnob and rub noses and see what the latest developments are and things like that rather than an actual true community spirit. So, but that's my feeling on it. Frontier Developments are taking this and using it uh, as a platform for growth for their business. You know, they are very much looking for Elite to be the new game platform that they can build on uh, and build out with expansions. And they see it as a way of you know, generating revenue for the company for a long time to come. And if you look at something like EVE Online, which has now hit its 10th year, you know, wouldn't it be fantastic to have Elite Dangerous as popular in 10 years' time? Much different game, but as popular in terms of the game and the community as we're seeing it today. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. A special thank you for the guys here at Elite Meet for doing the show. So that's to Carl, Colin, Andrew, John, Martin, Helen, and Rob. And we'll catch you next time. itself looked interesting. Don't tap the table. <laughs> Three stories in the U-Light universe. Uh, but obviously, four. Obviously, Drew Wager, who'd already written four stories in the U-Light universe, um, came up with the idea from the U-Light forums. It's actually four books and I think three short stories. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he's got a lot, he's, he's got two hours writing time a day on the train. Yeah. <laughs> so Drew Wager, obviously from uh, his uh, his experience on the Ulight forums, he's written uh, four stories and three short stories. Is that right? Yeah. Four stories and three short stories. So he had a Kickstarter to fund the Kickstarter reward, <laughs> and it was bizarre because there was quite a lot of negative um, splashback. That's the wrong word to use. <laughs> it's an interesting point that you make about the, the fact that we've got the things like the podcast. We've got a little... <laughs> 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 I just think it in cough.